0: An article was published under the Celestial Herald section of the Absolution Post last week, and it read Isaac signed, dated, and initialed the last piece of paper and tried to stifle back a yawn. All this paperwork was killing his excitement. He wanted to blame the big breakfast he'd had at Lucy's for his fatigue, but if he was honest with himself, he knew it was because he'd spent most of the previous night fidgeting instead of sleeping. He never thought there would be this much paperwork. He was excited, though, to finally be starting as one of Absolution's finest. It had been his dream for the last five years. The sheriff's office seemed much too crowded with this many people inside. On one side of the desk... Sheriff Allian Orrington was hunched over his desk listening to some inaudible phantom on his receiver. The buff elven man was average height and decidedly not the elven body type. Isaac wasn't sure he liked how tense the man was. He seemed like a uniformed jack-in-the-box. He really didn't appreciate the way his mustache consumed half of his face, and his beady eyes were sunken back into his head behind thick lashes that kind of made him look like a brunette version of Yosemite Sam. Isaac found that he was seated far too close to that man. The more he stared at him, the more odd his appearance was. He wasn't the only new officer to start today, and he wasn't the only person in the room. Beside him sat Calum Titherton. He only knew of Calum well, by association. He'd gone to school with him and he was kind of, well, a slow reader in class. That was the polite way to put it. A slow reader in class. Isaac tried to keep his thoughts from being too unkind. He didn't mean to be unkind, it's just that his thoughts raced, and often, more often than not, he found himself saying these things, acting on these thoughts, and, well, he supposed it was the curse. Calum was a nice enough guy, though. Always hung out with the jock crowd, or at least what Isaac perceived to be the jock crowd. Calum was tall, taller than Isaac, and far more muscular than Isaac, too, much to his chagrin. Isaac had spent the entire summer trying to buff up, but he wasn't nearly as impressive as Caleb. Caleb had flat blue eyes that squared a flat, broad nose across a moderately toned face, and even though Isaac had always regarded Caleb as unremarkable, he found him moderately attractive. Not enough to actually do anything about, but attractive enough. Next to Caleb, Deputy Sheriff Ira Carr sat with his hands folded across his lap and a nervous look to his posture. If Isaac had to pinpoint one specific behavior, he would say it was the nervous twitching of his fingers in his lap. Isaac didn't really know Ira, but he knew of Ira. He'd heard gossip about the older werewolf. uh, Isaac wasn't quite sure what to make of him just yet. He was six inches taller than Isaac, and he had broad shoulders. He had skin that had seen a lot of sun but was well cared for, and dark hair, even darker eyes. But when his eyes caught the light, they were a caramel brown that was soft and empathetic. Sheriff Orrington was impatiently waiting as whoever was speaking on the phone continued, and he didn't seem too pleased. Tell them no one enters there until I get there. I don't I don't care. I don't care. They have no jurisdiction here. His voice was tight, and Isaac could feel the strain in his voice, feel the stress. He couldn't quite hear the person on the other end, but he was sure they were probably just as stressed. Just, just hang tight. Just hang tight. Carr and Talvis will be on their way shortly. He hung up. Well, more like slam the phone down. Isaac could feel the bristling irritation that rolled off the elven man like heat waves off pavement. Orrington made eye contact with Deputy Carr and then didn't take his eyes away. It was unnerving, as if the two of them were having some kind of conversation that the two recruits wouldn't understand. Sheriff Orrington had previously seemed way less stressed and Isaac had been wondering if this was just a facade, or if the Orrington he was seeing this morning was his natural mode. He just seemed so uptight. Some part of Isaac's mind must have realized at some point that the Orrington that he saw while he was applying was an act, a charade for his and Calum's benefit. It wasn't anything that Orrington said. His words were gentle, his tone was usually measured and kind, but his body language... Well, his body language was rigid. It made Isaac uncomfortable. He glanced over at Titherton, who was still struggling through his paperwork. One of the many perks of being a dragon was that Isaac's brain worked fast, real fast. He remembered details and thought quickly. Sometimes he thought about things so quickly that it rendered him useless because he didn't remember what thoughts had originally led him there in the first place. His father had insisted that his thoughts would slow with time or that he would speed up, and that with patience he would eventually get to a place where he reacted in the same speed as he thought. Isaac was eager to get to that stage. I don't suppose Talvis sh- sent you a text as to why he's late this morning. Orrington bristled. His tone was unnerving for Isaac, like stepping on glass or waiting on the pins and needles. It was just how precisely Orrington was annoyed that seemed to drive through Isaac's skin. He said something about meeting with his contact. Deputy Carr said and glanced towards the door, He must have heard the cringeworthy sound of metal scraping on metal as the corral door was eased open and then swung shut. Harshly. Isaac's eyes met with deputy Carr's as Isaac realized that they had both heard that from three rooms away over the hushed and hurried, quiet early morning office work and ringing phones. Isaac was still adjusting to his post-puberty abilities. What contact? About what damn case? Orrington's face had begun to redden as his annoyance increased with every passing moment. Isaac wondered if elves had a similar physiology to humans, because if they did, Orrington was destined for a stroke. Well, someone's been drawing spell circles and runes in the town. We thought they were just obnoxious graffiti, but this morning, one of them exploded at the Peterson farm deputy Carr answered matter-of-factly. Talvis went to investigate. I don't know what's keeping him. His deep, smoky voice reminded Isaac of a blues singer for some reason. The gentle padding of soft feet outside the door and the loud knock of, on the door startled Isaac. When the knocking ended, Isaac was pleased As the door opened, in walked a short, dark-skinned elf with large, honey-hazel eyes, the exact same dark-skinned elf that Isaac had seen this morning at the diner, the first vision to greet him. He was dressed in Absolution County's uniform and was pretty much identical to everyone else in the room, except that he was wearing a black motorcycle jacket over his tan ensemble and a matching cowboy hat over his long braids. His delicate, thin ears were jutting from beneath that hat and out of his hair. He gave a gentle nod and strode in with a decidedly relaxed posture. He took a seat next to Isaac. My apologies, Sheriff, Levitt said. His voice was even, though Isaac wasn't quite sure how. As Orrington had stared daggers through him in the five seconds he'd been in the room, I was following up a. Little... As we were. As we were informed, try not to let it happen again. Orrington barked as he didn't even let Talvis finish. He looked from one deputy then to the other as if to invite them to disagree. Carr's expression hardened, and Talvis bit back words and grimaced. There was a long, tense moment as both men gave Orrington the same glare that he was giving them back. Even Caleb knew that something was amiss. Their dynamics were less than functional. Deputy Talvis. Orrington bit. This is Isaac Green. "'And this is Calum Titherton,' he gestured. "'Our newest recruits. "'You and Deputy Carr will be showing them the ropes for the next few weeks.' "'Orrington smirked, seeming pleased with himself, "'as if he had just said some joke that Isaac and Caleb wouldn't get. "'Isaac finalized that he definitely did not like his boss.' "'Turning his attention back to Caleb, who had finally picked up on what was going on, "'Orrington's smile grew.' with a shit-eaten grin. For the first rotation, Officer Titherton will work with Deputy Talvis, and Officer Green will work with Deputy Carr. There was a way to Orrington's words, as if he was telling some kind of joke that the rest of the room didn't get. Isaac decided he didn't appreciate it. It was like he hesitated through the titles, as if the titles themselves were some joke, like he was making a mockery, out of, well, the title deputy. Isaac quirked a- Something wrong, Officer Green? Orrington asked the edge in his voice, was not lost on Isaac, and for the first time Isaac found it directed at him. He bristled for a hair of a second before catching himself. No. No, sir. He faked naivete. He pretended that he didn't know that he'd just been on the receiving end. Isaac had found that often he got out of a lot of trouble by faking it. Vincent tumbled onto the hard lobby floor, wincing as his phone tumbled out of his grasp and skidded across the floor before coming to a rust against the ancient mahogany desk. The interior of this building had always kind of resembled more of the grand hotel it used to be, not the very active hub of law enforcement it now was. With its grand chandelier and great mahogany desk perched just in front of the split grand staircase, it had always spoke to the splendor of previous years, the fortune that this town was built upon. Absolution had At one time been a very popular tourist destination. Back before the 60s, and before cell phones, and before the internet, and, well, back before the modern age. Back when it was easier to hide what actually happened within town limits. More importantly, back before the interstate passed right by this part of Wyoming. Vincent was almost as relieved back then as he was now to find out that the interstate would not pass through absolution, and it would not bring as many tourists as it did during the off-season. Riding himself, he stood and dusted off his button-up before glancing over at Flo. Her rounded face and slight underbite made her look more like a grandmother than a middle-aged woman. He supposed it was also her name and her obnoxious cat-eared glasses that looked like they were straight out of some fifties pin-up catalogue. She was looking at him with a mixture of confusion and disdain. Was it a good morning, Vinny? She asked with an edge of sarcasm in her voice that was not lost on him. She was the only one aside from his father who'd ever gotten away with calling him Vinny. He wanted to hate her. But she was as, well, she was as close to a mother as he had ever had. She bore the title better than the woman who lived across town and wore the title in actuality. But he didn't want to think about either of them right now. He strode over to his phone with a sigh. It was a great morning. How are you, Flo? Vincent asked, though he wasn't quite sure he actually wanted to know. Um, well, youngling. What's gotten you so riled up?' Her voice was motherly, and it reminded him of the time that she and her father had had a movie night. They'd cuddled in the back room of the shop back before his father had owned the whole building and watched all the horror movies that he could stand, before, finally, she had laid his head in her lap and patted his back until he fell asleep. He missed her. He missed his dad. I thought I saw him. He breathed out. So, you're having nightmares? I could rub your back until you fall asleep, but I think we're both getting a little old for that, don't you, younglin? She chuckled. She didn't ask who he saw. They both know who Vincent is referring to. You of all people don't believe me? He pleaded. He was at the counter now, pretty much leaning over it. Vinny, she sighed before glancing up at him. She was tired. It was then that he saw the age in her face, the fatigue. He peered deeply into the eyes of the woman who he'd once called his mother, well, until the moment his father had disappeared. When she had left him, a teenager, with many adult decisions to make, he'd tried his best not to feel abandoned by her, but now, now he was just trying to bite back the anger. Is the sheriff in? He asked, when he had finally bit it back enough to not to have a tone. She looked at him with pleading eyes, and he really wanted to feel bad. He did. But this was the difference between him and her. He knew he could deal with this. He knew he could protect himself. And even though she could do the same, she wouldn't. And that was the difference between them. He he wanted to think about all the folks in town who couldn't defend themselves. The ones who wouldn't understand the display that had been left in the entryways of his sanctuary. The threats that had been left in the entryway of his sanctuary. The ones who would see that threat and pack up and move and thinking they'd be safe if they fled. But they wouldn't. No one was ever safe when it got to that point. It was more than just a display. It was a promise. He's busy, and he's not in the mood. The tone of her voice indicated the finality of her decision. It reminded him of when she'd reprimanded him when he was a child. Well, she'd reprimanded him for anything, really. She had no patience, and endless patience, as most mothers do. What about Deputy Carr? He pushed and she groaned. He's busy meeting with the sheriff and the Greenbeans. She grunted, peering into his eyes in warning whilst he peered back in defiance. It mirrored their interactions when he was a child. They'd done this so many times before. And Talvis? He pushed. Same meeting. She answered, rolling her eyes. Are you kidding me? I can ask the deputies to come by the shop when they're free. Sure, sure. And I'll ask him if he can stop haunting me from beyond the grave until, I don't know, next year when they're free to visit? He answered more petulantly than he intended. You're being dramatic. She sighed again, going back to whatever report she'd been typing. I'm not being dramatic. I saw him. I saw him. Why don't you believe me? He asked more petulantly than he intended. Because, Younglin, your father put him in the ground 50 years ago, and I watched. I hope you've enjoyed this week's segment. I hope you'll join me next week.